And you've been reading chapter 2 all week, right? You probably have it memorized, right? You want to say it with me? Come on. Uh, let me tell you what. Acts 2 is what theologians call the start of the church, of the new church. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Listen to this. We're only, I'm only going to read two verses here this morning. We're going to make that what drives us. We're going to actually talk about what's, what's left over here in, in, in chapter 2. And let me read it to you. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Hmm. Let's just stop. That's what theologians call the start of the church today. And when you read on here in, in Acts 2, and, and I, I have to confess, you know, when we put together this preaching schedule, this thing in Acts 2, it was so that we could say, say we're going to go back and see how the church was really started. Because everybody here want to be part of God's church? You want to be a part of the way that he does it, of his church? Oh. That's what we're going to see right here. And i got to tell you, the church in its history has done a pretty good job of messing it up the way that God started it. Mm. Okay. Um, i got to tell you, and also reading this, it's a lot of churches go to this and they get all excited. I mean, really, when you read what happened here in Acts 2, it's better than anything Hollywood ever turned out. You know, it, matter of fact, it, it's better than anything they could ever turn out. Because, you know what? It's a testimony of what God did in people when they listened to him. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, they, they claim they have experiences like that even now. But uh, they say you really can't because you can't really do today what the the way the church was back then. Do you believe that? Hmm? Uh, you know what? I, I don't either. Because even though we've messed up the church, I think, in spite of everything that man's done to change it, it's still here. And God is still the one in charge. Is he not? Uh-huh. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, I would say when we go back and look at this, what has really happened in the church? What's, what's really done? Do, do we really know what the Christian church is? Do we really understand what Christianity is? Hmm. You know what? I'm going to say some things this morning. You may not want me to come back. <laughs> Matter of fact, you, 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 you may ask me not to come back, to tell you the truth, because I'm going to say some things here this morning that are... Um, not exactly the way that things are taught by a lot of the Christian church. You know where it's taught? Here in God's Word. And I'm the kind of guy that believes that everything written in this book is God's Word and that it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, if, if that offends anybody, I would encourage you to read it. And let me tell you, I, 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 this is not in the script. I, I, one time I actually said that and I was preaching at a church down in Silver Spring and they were it, I was, it was a transitional situation they, they brought in a pastor a guest speaker and I was leading the music at that time I was a music 
worship leader, and I and I I said, we were praising the Lord. We were just like this morning. We were praising the Lord for who He is. You know, for God. Oh, thank you so much for leading that. And and I said, oh, you know, I can't help but tell you guys. The more I read this, the more the more I know it's God's word. Well, that's pastor. The guest pastor didn't think that. And the first thing he did when he got up in the pulpit, he turned around and he looked at me and he said, this is a great guide for Christians. I went, oh boy, you know, that kind of hurt. (laughs) So let me tell you something. I'm getting back at him today. This is God's word. And every word is true. Every word is true. And let me tell you what, if anybody has a problem with it, they don't understand all of it, you know, I would say stop and read the whole thing. Because I can tell you, the more you read it, the more you're going to know it's absolutely true what's in God's word. Most people, most theologians, the academia, consider this to be the the verses that that announce and show it the start of the church. So the reason we need to see this is because we need to see how God started his church. What God did. You know... I'm really going to go off script here. Let me tell you something that we need, we need to say right here, right out loud between all of us. We're all following Jesus Christ, are we not? Amen. If there's anybody here that, that's not, I beg you to listen to what, what everybody's testimony is here because Jesus Christ comes in and he changes lives. He, he, and matter, he doesn't just change lives, he saves them eternally through Jesus Christ. The God the Father does all the work. If you came here to be saved by a church, it ain't going to happen. If you came here to be saved by a preacher, it ain't going to happen. Let me tell you what, I am called by Jesus Christ to preach his his word. I believe that with, with, with everything that I am. But I cannot save anybody. Only Jesus Christ can. When God started this church... We, we look at it and, and, and we say, oh, my gosh, look what Peter did. Let me tell you something. Peter didn't do anything. Actually, Peter did, but God did it. Everything we're going to see right here in, in Acts 2, God did. Men may have done the part of it because they were filled with the power of God. God does that. He gives his power to people. You know why? He wants them to be saved. That's a loving God. Let me go back to the script. I believe that everybody, everything that we have, every problem we have, outside the church, inside the church, in our lives and everywhere, can be solved by God. I don't believe there's one problem that can't be solved. uh, We'll argue that if anybody wants to argue that some other time. I think every Domestic problem we have, every civil problem we have, every international problem we have, God can solve. You know why they have these problems? Because they don't have a relationship with God. There is only one God. It's the God that we worship. And he's the one who created this universe. He's the one who created everybody here. And he's the one that's in charge. Does that surprise anybody? You know, I, I told you I'm going to wear it one of these days. I have a baseball cap uh, the church gave me one time when I, when I preached on the sovereignty of God, and it's, it simply says God reigns. 
I love wearing that thing out. Yeah, you'd be. I actually wore that on on a, the subway in D.C. one day, and you'd be surprised how many people said, "I like your hat." Huh? Does that surprise you? In our nation's capital, they're saying God does reign. Whoa, that's kind of exciting. Okay, back to the script. I'm sorry. You know, I, I've changed this so many times because of what's going on here. I believe that God wants to empower Boulevard Church, and I'm not saying. The pastor, or any, he wants to—he wants his power to be known through the people here at Boulevard Church. I believe that. And you know what? When we were worshiping a while ago, I—I think God is pleased with that worship. I—I I was worshiping. Were you? God hears that, and He knows that, and that pleases Him. Okay. We're, we're, we're here in Acts. We've, we've already talked about this. But, you know, Luke, Luke gave us the message of Christ's walk in Luke, right? And then here in 2 Luke, we're going to uh, see all that Jesus, it says, all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the start of the church. Whoa, all that Jesus began to do and teach. Okay, that was back in one. And, and you know what? And what we need to do is know what he is doing even now. And you know what? He is still going to do things. Do you think he's finished? Let me tell you what I know about my God. Right here, I see it in Jack's. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Hmm, that's in scripture somewhere, isn't it? And you know what? He, he never stops doing. God did not leave. He did not abandon anybody. He's still here, and he's still doing according to his plan. How many times do we want him to do it according to our plan? Oops, that's where we kind of mess up, isn't it? Look, I know you read Acts 2 every day this week, right, because we were supposed to. I'm, I'm sure that you noticed then that all the work we see here is God's work. Did you see that? Huh, you probably thought all these disciples were out there doing it. The guys running around speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. That was God doing it. I know we, we love telling everybody that these, these men who were doing that work. They were, they were uneducated, untrained. And here in Maryland, we love to tell everybody, they were watermen, you know? So how in the world do you think untrained, uneducated watermen could go out and speak in all these different tongues? They didn't. God did. It was God's power. He says the Holy Spirit came upon them, right? So isn't that what you really need when you start God's church? It's not us. It's him. Whoa. But, well, it's okay. We have our own plan. We got this one, Lord, right? Mm-mm. We have to do it his way. Okay, let's keep going. It's really to think that anybody like a waterman, especially if he didn't have money, he didn't have advertising, he didn't have marketing, he didn't have the Internet. Let's see, what else could they do? So there's no way they could have done all that. They didn't have any massive data collection to know that their audience was from about 50 different languages, right? How, no way those guys could have done it on their own. And here's the thing. We know here that these men are, are said that these men have turned the whole world upside down later on in Acts. Do you think that anybody like that could have turned the world upside down by themselves on their own plan, their own way? Couldn't have happened, could it? God did it. 
think it's so interesting. We think they did it. And we're trying to be like the people were at Pentecost when, you know what we need to do? We need to be filled with the power of God like they were at Pentecost. How do we do that? I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. So here we are. We're in the beginning of Acts. So let's just go back here. You know, if if you were to study history, you'd find that for centuries there's been a fight going on (laughs) between what the church is, what it does, how it works, and all that between what mankind thinks should be done. You know, I had some interesting discussion uh, with some folks here earlier about, you know, what really went on when the church was with Constantine and all that kind of stuff. We don't need to go there. We don't need to do all that. But i got to tell you, all the way through since Pentecost, there's been all kinds of testimony, all kinds of historical events where the church that God started was trying to be refined by man's ways. you You don't really believe that, do you? Do you think that's happened? Hmm, okay, well, let's look at this. And we read through this Acts, this part of Acts, the way the church was first started. And let's see what was there then. And let me tell you what, while we're doing that, I, I actually have read ahead, so forgive me. But I, I, can, tell you, I can tell you that um, there's a whole lot of things I see here in the first church, or excuse me, that I see here in today's modern church that I never saw in the first church. Hmm. Uh, Matter of fact, let me just tell you some things. First of all, let me tell you what the church isn't in Acts. It's not a religious institution. Uh-oh. Did I, did I smell tar and feathers? Okay. Make sure. I'm making sure nobody's going to throw anything at me. I did wear my Kevlar. It's not a religious institution. It's God's church. You know, when it gets institutionalized, it's made the way man wants it to be. Now, you're talking to a man who is, in the first part of my life, was a businessman for 35 years. I've traveled a lot and done a lot in business. I can tell you, God's church is not a business. Hmm. Well, we, we really try to set it up like one, don't we? Forgive us, Lord. Let me tell you another thing. It's, it's not something that's approved by man. Or any kind of man authority. It's not. A, it's not a government approved. It's not not approved by human authority. It, you know, it's not broken down into ethnic groups. There are people here. We think with the, from what some people have said, as many as fifty different tongues, different races, different everything. The church is not for one small group, or one ethnic division, or and it shouldn't be divided that way. It's God's people. He made everybody. And the people that come to God, that give their lives to God and make him Lord, are our brothers and sisters no matter where they live or where they come from or what they look like or anything. We seem to divide it all up. That's just wrong. It's just wrong. Um, Actually, a lot of people think, you know, this was set up really according to the Jewish way of worship, right? (laughs) That's not who was there. I mean, there was a lot of Jews there, obviously, in the first church. There was a lot of uh, Jewish type. But they didn't really go to, they didn't meet in synagogues. 
but they didn't really follow the same kind of order of worship, did they? They went there to meet God. They went there to worship him. You know, God actually wrote a whole book about how he should be worshipped and how we should meet him. It's called the Old Testament. And, and if you read through the whole thing, you'll see how man kept blowing it. They never could really do it their, their own way, could they? Because they kept trying to refine it, trying to make it better, trying to make it where, oh, well, here's how we, we need to come. Mm-mm. Just come before God. He knows everything about you. He knows everything, and he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your head. He knows everything. So you know what? And he loves you. He loves you enough to have given his son to die for you. Why don't you just have a discussion with him? He's listening. And when you came to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. So he's there. He knows everything that's going on. What would happen if you just had a conversation with him? Lord, here am I, and here are you. What are you doing? What can I help you with today? What do you want me to do? Because here's the thing. I can't do anything on my own. There's not one thing I can do in my own power that pleases God. And you think he needs my help? He's God. But you know what? If he fills you with his power, you can do all things that he wants you to do with his power. Hmm. It's not tar and feathers I hear it. I smell, is it? No. I'll tell you what. Our God loves everybody here. So much so that he lives inside of you. And he wants to fill every person here with his power to do his work, not our work. There's a whole lot of things I see in in the modern church that I don't see in the church that God started. Um, you know, here's, here's something that I don't see, and please don't shoot me for this. The first church didn't really designate a building to be met in for an hour a week or two hours a week or whatever, and then just let it sit there and do nothing else the rest of the week. I'm not saying that's wrong for us to do that. I'm glad we all have a place to meet. But that's not what they did. As a matter of fact, this, here's, a, here's a bit of trivia. You can answer on, on biblical jeopardy, I guess. Did, did you know that the first building that Christians built, that dedicated for just worship, Jesus Christ, do you know it was over 200 years before the first one ever appeared? You know where they met? In caves. <laughs> In homes. They met everywhere because they just meant to meet God and let him fill them with his power to do his work. And you know what? The church took out Rome. <laughs> took on the whole world, didn't it? <laughs> the church was known as a, as, as a place for Christians to gather and meet him, you know, and I can't really find anywhere where they they actually dressed up and went to endure a sermon so they could get out in time to go down to the Coliseum and see the latest games either. <laughs> Sorry, had to throw that in. 
I am a Ravens fan and I am an O's fan. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand either. Mm. Well, we're talking about what the Christian church is, and, and there's just one other thing I really can't find in God's church is the institution, institutionalization, the organizational part of the church where we divvy everything up and regardless of what he's given everybody to do. You know what? I, let's just stop there. I, I, I don't want to go any farther. Than it. it sounds too much like that Old Testament thing we were talking about a while ago, doesn't it? Where the Pharisees kind of took over the church and did it their way, and then what did they do? They, they were so understanding of how the church should be that they went out and killed God's son. They missed it, didn't they? I don't want us to miss God working here, working among us. We need to go to him, folks. We need to spend a lot of time with him if we're going to know exactly what God is doing here. Because let me tell you one another thing, observation. When we started this very beginning, remember he said they were all in one place, and the King James says in, a, in accord, all in one accord, but they were all in one place, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came. Do you know why they were in that one place? Because Jesus had told them, now that you know who I am, that I am indeed God, I want you to go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, until you receive the power of God. So these guys were waiting, and Pentecost means 50 days after Passover. So they'd been there a while, folks, and they were waiting. I believe they were praying and they were waiting. But they were waiting on God to come and do what God wanted to do with the church. With his church. Not what they wanted to do. Isn't that amazing? I think if we spent time going to God and not just praying, giving him our laundry list and then say, see you next week. If you go to him and we say, look, Lord, here we are. Fill us with your spirit as you see fit. You know, he may not come and fill all of us with a, with a, with a, you know, a mighty rush and we get up and speaking in a lot of different languages. That'd be nice for me. But how would it be for him? That's really where we need to be, isn't it? Okay. Here's the thing I want you to see in all of this. We serve a God who does he works. He does the work. He may include us in doing it with him if we, he fills us with his power. But our God acts. That's what makes our God so different than all of these gods that every people are out there trying to worship. You know, when these people were, were, that came to Pentecost... They heard and they saw God at work, right? You know what the guys were saying? What they heard in their own language? Did you ever wonder about that? It actually tells you right here. It says these men were speaking in their own tongues to them, and they heard it in their own tongues. What did they hear? The mighty works of God. Did you get that? Works. God works. Why do we think he doesn't? Why do, we, why do you think he's left us? Or, or you know, or we're, we're crying, oh, Lord, Lord, what's going on? Let me tell you what, what's going on is what he wants to go on. And what he wants is for us to come to him and fall down before him. Because he's the one that fixes everything. It's his work that's being done. Mm. 
Let's don't miss out God's activity in the church here. You know, sure, sure, men heard the preaching. But you know what? They didn't give the glory to any human, did they? You know, everybody said, oh, this, what, a, how powerful a preacher Peter must have been. You know what? It was God doing the speaking through Peter. You think about through Peter's history. You know what? God did it. God was doing it all along. Mm. They gave glory to God because the men who preached were empowered by God. They were, you know, the disciples were the ones who were waiting, which was about 120 of them preaching. And, and here's the thing. They weren't preaching by their own strength. That's God doing. That's God acting. So don't ever think God's not active in his church. He is. He's doing it his way. He's been doing, he's been the one that's doing all those God things all along. Really wasn't men at all. It was men who were empowered by God. Yeah, and don't think I don't, I don't respect men who have given their lives and who have put their lives on the line, and who, who preach nothing but God. Oh, yeah, I'm a big admirer of them. I'm an admirer of how God has used them. I want you to do something sometime if, if you can. Go, go, look, go look through the Bible at all the things that God does. Uh, we, we, we love to tell our kids, at least we love to tell our kids and our grandkids, and, you know, all about Noah and the flood. But you know what? <laughs> Noah couldn't build a boat like that by himself, could he? He couldn't go and gather all those animals. I think God gave him a little help, don't you? I think it was a God. And here's another thing. You know who, who, who did the flood? God. That whole thing was about God and his power. We got to see his power and we got to see him work. Um, think about Abraham. Oh, man. You know, Abraham, the father of the Jews and all that. How was he empowered to do all of that, God? He actually got to see God and got to see his mighty work. And then he placed his, his, his faith in him. You know, I, uh, I think about Moses and Pharaoh. You know, we think, man, I love the movie. You know, I know it's an old movie, but I love the movie, you know, because Moses is doing all this stuff, right? Uh-uh. You know what Moses told God? I can't speak. I, can't, I have a speech impediment. I can't, I can't speak. Well, how can that work? And God said, you know what? You're going to speak. I'm going to give you the power to do it. And then he, you know, they went through all that negotiation thing that Moses tried to do. But all the way through, Moses was not capable of doing anything that he did. God did it. That's God acting. That's God doing. Do you see that? Do you think he quit? He hasn't, has he? God's still doing. We need to know what God's doing, don't we? How are we going to find that out? We're going to have to go to him in prayer, aren't we? We're going to have to go, and, and then maybe we have to do what these guys did. Maybe we have to just wait, wait on him to find out what his plan is for us. I don't know. Let, let, let's, let's keep going with this. I, um, <laughs> Moses couldn't have done any of that on his power. And, you know, here's another thing. I think about that 14-year-old shepherd boy, you know, who took on a nine-and-a-half-foot giant called Goliath in full armor, battle-hardened, and this guy just comes at him with a slingshot. Do you think that David really killed Goliath on his own power? We like to think that, don't we? I love to get telling my grandkids, you know, how to, yeah, have you ever, ever done a country slingshot? Let me tell you what, my father-in-law was so good with it, he could knock a squirrel off of a power line. It was incredible. <laughs> he, well, he, he was, 
But do you think that David really did that on his own? Uh-uh, I don't think so. God did it. That's God at work. That's God at work in his church. That's God at work in his king, in his world that he made, he created. He's still doing it. Mm. Every story in God's word is about God doing things. And if we ever think it's about man doing things, you need to really find out where those men were. Or women, whatever. I'm a man. It's man meets mankind. You know, my favorite one, which we were talking about in, in the car coming in this morning. I love the story about uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Uh, that's a, if you haven't read that lately, that's always a fun one to really get your day started. He, he actually had all the, what, 850 prophets of Baal? And, and, and he said, okay, you guys, we're going to see who, whose God is real. And he, he tells, you know the story? Everybody know this story? Huh? You don't? Well, let, me, let me tell it to you again because I love reading it again. He tells all these prophets of Baal. He said, okay, you guys, we're going to build a fire here, a sacrifice to our God. You build yours to, to Baal, and, and I'm going to set one up over here to, to my God, the, the only God, the one the only God there is. And, and so you build yours, and, and all, you have 850 of you? Okay, you guys go ahead. I'm, I'm all by myself here today, but that's okay. I'm going to be here all week. He, he says, okay, you go ahead. So they did. They, they built their fire. They did. They danced. They, they did all those things to call up Baal. They slit their wrists. You know, they did all the stuff, but no Baal. You know, he, even, I like it. he makes fun of them and says, you know, well, maybe he can't hear you. Why don't you shout a little louder? You know, and then Elijah goes over and he says, he actually pours water on the fire. If you've ever been camping much, you know that's not a good idea. He, he, he pours water on it, and, he said, and God consumes the whole thing right there in front of him. You know why? Was that Elijah that did that? It was God. We got to see God's power. We got to see him working. Because what happened? All the prophets of Baal died in Israel. Most of them turned back to God because they saw the power of God. They saw him at work. He's still working. He hasn't quit. Mm. Uh, you know, if you ever want to read through all those, I'm not going to share any more of those stories with you. If you want to read them, I, I would... Go read through the Bible. And every story you read, it's about God. And if you want a, you know, want a, 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 a reading list, suggested reading list, go to Hebrews 11. It gives you a whole list of a whole things you can go and look up and see exactly what God did through his people. It was all God's power. Okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but every story is about God. And it's about God acting. About God, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a spoiler. So let's go back to Acts where God starts his church. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rush of wind, mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. You know what? It looks like God's staying with his plan. He started in the Old Testament, isn't it? He's the one that's doing it, everything. He told them to go and wait on me, and then he comes and he fills them with his spirit. Mm-mm. You know, Peter could never have done any of that on his own. Paul couldn't even done any of that on his own. None of the, the none of them could have done anything that was done there or any of the rest of the Bible without God's power. It, it's just it can't be done. God still acts and God still empowers. It's amazing that in spite of all of the man-made heresy that's been preached from pulpits for the last two thousand years, that the church is still here.
in spite of all the institutionalizing that's been decreed by the church authorities, in spite of all the, the great promotional campaigns that we've run here, you know, with all of our, our great outreach programs, in spite of the, the superior business models. You know, we talked about that earlier, didn't we? In, in spite of all the superior business models and financial models and organizational rules that's been set up for the church, it's been implied to God's search, it's still here. Why do you think that is? It's because God's still active in his church. And you know why is he still active? Because he wants his people to be saved. He wants everyone to know him and to see his salvation. You know, but God is still here. And you know what? Every now and then, he revives it. When the church falls so far away, you know, I think about 500 years ago, when the church had fallen so far, it had fallen into a pit of its own making, directed there by a map that it had made of how the church should be run and how the church would be made. And this little monk named Martin Luther said, that's all wrong. And he stood up against the whole church. And even when they threatened him with his life, you know, he said, here I stand on God's word because it's God who empowered Martin Luther. And look what he did. Through him, the whole church, which had been refined by the church theologians, was reformed by God, by God himself. Hmm. You know, I, there was a great awakening we like to talk about just a couple hundred years, yeah, 150, 100, couple hundred years ago. It began over in Britain, which had nationalized its church. Hmm. I don't really see the church being a national organization, do you? Huh. Well, we'll go there another time. So he used some people like George Whitfield. I don't know if you ever heard that name. Jonathan Edwards, you ever heard that name? Yeah, okay. You know, Jonathan Edwards is famous for the sermon that he preached called Children in the Hands of an Angry God. Oh, man, you ought to go read that. If you ever want to read that sermon, I have it, and I'll be glad to, to, to show it, let you guys read it. It's a, he wasn't like me. He, he actually preached about two hours at a time, um, which I'd be glad to do. <laughs> they, um, he preached Children in the Hand of Angry God, which people heard, and the whole country turned around. It's interesting. It was right before a country that said, you know, we don't want to follow national religion. We want to follow God. And so we had a revolution after that. That's kind of interesting, too, isn't it? Hmm. George Whitfield came over here and preached all up and down the East Coast. And we had a, a great awakening, a revival in the church. Did George Whitfield do it? He preached to 80% of the population of what was in America. And, and most of the country turned to God in what we call a great revival, a great awakening. And, and by the way, just here's another little thing that's not in the script. Do you know where he said the darkest place was of all the way he preached from Maine to Georgia, I guess? Huh? Baltimore. He specifically said Baltimore. It's dark. That's where all the pirates were. I mean, you know what? God's still here. You know, it may be dark, but God's here. Do you, is there any amen here? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Okay. So, 
Why does he do all that? So people can be saved. Acts 2.21 says, and it shall come to pass. This is later on. I'm sorry. I'm run over somebody's sermon. I know. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, you know what? That's why we're here. That's why God left us here. So he can empower us to tell people about him and his salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And you know how they're going to see that if we don't go out and tell them? They're going to see it in the way we live. Do you walk with Jesus Christ every day? Do people see you? Do people? Do, you know what Peter said? Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Have you had anybody ask like? Because that's what that assumes. Are they asking about the hope that's in you that you live by? Oh, I hope they do. I hope they will. But let me tell you what. He says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. And you're supposed to do that with gentleness. Where do you get all of that? You know the answer. From God, right? From his power. That's the way we need to be praying, folks. God, you're at work here. We know you're at work here. Here we are. Would you fill us with your spirit according to your plan? Not according to our plan. There's nobody here that's saved by a church. Nobody's here that's saved by a preacher. Nobody's saved by a program. Only God. He's the only one who can. Are you willing to pray for that? Are you willing to pray for that every day? Because let me tell you what. I see before me a whole lot of people who belong to God. And he wants you to be his witness. That's really what we're talking about here too, isn't it? Jesus has already said, you know, you be my witnesses. Acts 1-8, yeah, he said, be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. We're here because Matthew 28, 18 says, you know, we always say, go into the world. Actually, I already said that. It's a, Greek, a little Greek lesson here. It actually says, having gone to where you are. It's present aorist participle. So, I mean, it's an aorist participle. So, you know, what it means is, having gone, teach them all that I've commanded you. Baptizing them, which means totally submersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's, here we are, folks. We're not just in chapter 2 of Acts. We're here before God. He's present. He works. He still keeps working. We need to ask him, how would you work with us? How would you work through us? Would you pray that? This church body, it needs those prayers. It needs God. It needs the empowerment of God do the work that he has to be done here. And I know, I know he's going to use this church body to do it. Would you, would you commit to pray that every day? Hmm? Is there any yeses? Any amens? Any shaking heads? Yeah. Let's end with that one. Dear Lord, Father God, you are indeed the one who does all the work. Forgive us.